0: These four teams have met before, but working against each other, they'll try to find a way to win the League One title. There's only one thing standing in their way, and it's Partick Thistle. The chase is on. Hello. And welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a podcast covering all things Plastic Thistle. Joining me on today's episode are Rhys Hildane. Rhys, mm. hello, how are you? I'm very good, Matt. I'm feeling on top of the world, actually. I think we all are. Jamie McDonald's here. Jamie, how are you?
1: I'm great. Uh, absolutely buzzed after last night. Hopefully
0: we keep going. Mark Wallace, cruelly cutting his tracks, as he was going to tell us about an old thread on Pine Bovril before we come on air, is also here. Mark, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. And rounding the off of
2: the world pattern, I'm fucking raging now.
0: <laughs> rounding <laughs> off our panel today is David Forrest. David, you well?
3: Moon pie. What a time to be alive.
0: We've got to milk it, I suppose. We've not been top of the league in exactly seven years, I believe. So we've got to milk it. Risa, I'll start with you. Last night, we went top of the league. We won 2 0 away at Dumbarton and results elsewhere at Montrose and at Peterhead went our way, which took us from third.
4: To first, what did you make of the game last night? To be honest, the first half we couldn't really stamp any authority on the game. We may have had the line share of possession, but we never really looked dangerous at any point. And you could maybe put forward a case that that was due to the sun shining in the, the eyes of the players, as, as at times it was a struggle to even see the stream clearly, never mind at a ball. Second half we were far more in control. Only really one team looked in the ascendancy, and that was so There was a point where I thought to myself, you know, this is it, like we're blowing this chance. Like that was after. The clear ghost goal score disallowed before Brownlee and Gordon both hit the bar with, with headers. But he managed to score the opener on the breakaway from probably Dumbarton's best chance of the game. It's with Sneddon lofting the ball at the park, Ross McIver leaping like a tenner John West, flicking the ball down to Tiffany. Tiffany actually does really well. to slip in Foster, and then Foster picks out the man in front, Rudden. And that's not an easy finish, by the way. That ball's above his waist, and it's an awkward one. But like like all good goal scorers, Rudden just adjusts his body and makes sure it rifles into the net. The second goal, it's brilliant route one stuff again. Sneddon again, this time it's Rudd that's flicking on for McIver and then I'm over the and for McIver to open his account. Two young strikers find the back of the net to send the Jags top of the league. And with Coven couple both losing, I genuinely don't think Tuesday night can come any better than that. So very, very happy days. Absolutely, it was a perfect night last night.
0: Marco, come to you next. We've gone from a team that in the first four or five games after the restart looked a bit of a shambles at the back and all of a sudden we've, we've tightened it right up. We look like there's there's no danger really. I think Sneddon's played the last four games and other than a good save up at Peterhead, he's not really had much to do. What do you put that down to?
2: I think one of the major factors as really tightening up at the back is being Stephen Bell coming, in, if, coming into fitness at a time when we obviously can't rely on Tamil Weir. Uh, I've been an admirer of Stephen Bell for some time. I remember him when he first uh, sort of came on the scene about 13, 14 years ago. When he was at Stirling Albion, he was like a sort of center, central midfielder then, went to Dunfermline. he's sort of moved around various clubs since then. Uh, he's he's the guy he's a guy McCall relies on uh, very much. Uh, as you can see from it, he was integral to his Air team getting promoted from this division. And then going sort of from strength to strength the season after. Having those guys you can rely on is massive. Especially when you're dealing with a situation like ours where it's kind of sort of fell in our lap. So you you wanna go with guys that you know and you can trust in this situation in the quote unquote trenches. So I think I think Bell's a massive, massive factor in that. And we've also we've also got another Abel's so a guy that he relies on, and Andy Gagan in reserve as well. So at a time when we've been without a guy that people would think or we would expect uh, in Tam to be reliant on, uh, at a time when we need to be at our best defensively as well as offensively. I think those guys have been key, with Bell especially.
4: Well, I think that Bell's been a, a breath of fresh air since he's came at the side. And it's now over 450 minutes since we last conceded a goal, with Bell coming into the side at time when we we're 2-0 down to five. And him and Brownlee are looking absolutely formidable. Like, I mean, Brownlee was arguably the best defender in the Championship when we brought him back for Queen of the South. And so you expect him to stroll the league. But with Bell by his side, they've not even looked phased against any opposition forwards. And as I've said before, you can't buy like leadership qualities that Bell possesses. And it's weird to think we're actually looking ahead at potentially being back in the Championship next season now. But I'd actually offer Bill a part-time contract, and surely we can tempt him away from his Coker. Like he was exceptional with air in the championship last season, and who's to say he can't slot in again at that level?
1: Well, just talking about Stephen Bell, he reminds me a lot of when we brought in Stephen Anderson. He's just kind of the kind of kind of player who's at the back. He's got experience. He's he sure us up a lot. He's calm on the ball, and you know he's just a good player. And he's good in the air as well. Ando was good in the air. He is a good player in the air. Hopefully, he can maybe get a goal from a corner, be a bit more like Ando, because Ando did get three of those, but. I just really like seeing Bell, and I agree with Reese that I'd offer him a deal as well, just like a one-year deal. If we do go up, and especially, I mean, I don't want to think it, but if we don't go up, definitely. But if we do go up, I actually would offer him a deal as well. He's just been—he's been great recently, and a very, very surprising performer. I didn't expect him to be this good. Jamie, we spoke on the last
0: episode about performance not mattering at all, and I think we've seen that in recent well, maybe excluding the Montrose game that we are grinding things out. Where do you think the players are getting this sort of extra 10% to to find these goals late in games that we maybe weren't getting before Christmas?
1: Confidence, to be honest. I think it's all purely confidence. We've just had such a good goal-scoring run right now. We're comfortably winning against teams. There's not really any time in a game where I felt really under pressure recently that we were going to concede. Like we've got peer ahead. We won very comfortably. and We obviously won very, very comfortably against Montrose. And beat Clydes comfortably as well. And yesterday, won. once again, it's another comfortable win. Like We're winning games 2-0, 3-0 and 5-0. So, we just have the confidence right now. And you can see Ruddon's on fire. He looks like he's going to score like every game every game right now. Every time he's out on the pitch, it looks like he's going to hit the back of the net, which is great to see. It's good that McKeever got his first goal last night as well. Had another striker up there, hopefully. Has some goals in him for the end of the season. Brian Graham's another one who's always wanting to score. Scott Tiffany. It's just... We've got a lot more options this half of the season than we did last half of the season. It was going to score last half of the season. We were like, or the first half rather. We were like relying on Graham a lot, and he wasn't always on form. But this half of the season, Graham's on better form, and other players are on form. So it's just purely confidence, I think, and it can take us a long way.
0: I think you're right. I think you look at the the personnel on the squad, and we've got four, maybe five players now that in the attacking positions you you want to see on. And you're seeing McCall's get that selection headache with who he picked because Joe Cardo's not started the last couple of games and Connor Murray, who wasn't great in the first half of the season, but I think he won our Player the the month for March. He's not getting a sniff at the moment just because Graham, Rudden and, and Tiffany, they can't they can't be dropped. I think it is this, the winter transfer window of managing to get Tiffany in and then also the break to get Ruddon's fitness up has really helped us. I think I think the shutdown probably has done us good. And you probably couldn't have told that after three or four games, but on reflection now, I think it's really helped running, and obviously Tiffany's boosted the side a lot. David, we'll come to you. What were your thoughts on on the game as a whole last night?
3: For the first half, um, I was kind of dreading that it was going to be a repeat of the the game at Farhill against Barton, where we were just hammering on with chances and getting nowhere, and then when that goal got chopped off and we hit the bar twice, I practically had my head in my hands. I was like, no, nope, we've done it. We've It's got nil-nil written all over it. And it was it was a tough watch at times. But I don't think Dumbarton really threatened us at all. And it was just a case of grinding it out and then they retire and then eventually we got in there. I do think that the Sun might have played a factor in the first half. And yeah, because it was at times where they were struggling getting chances together and putting them in the net i will say during lockdown and stuff like that it's been a bit tough to be inf- as infused about games as it is being there so like i, I mean I, I look at like the Inverness away game with me and mark went and all that and like of just having that sort of c- communality and having that experience i've found it hard to get to that point but last night when we scored and they're we all cheering. And then Mark mentioned that Falkirk are 1-0 down to Peterhead is possibly the most I've felt alive in the last 14 months of just of just being like, holy fuck, this is all just completely turned on a swivel and we're actually like top of the league as it stands. We got the job done and we didn't look threatened at all and I thought we played really well in the second half despite the obstructions put in front of us by the referee
0: I'm absolutely with you David it was it was my favorite uh, game watching this stream so far it, as you said it, it felt great it, it almost felt like we were there when we scored last night and for the first time I'm looking forward to Saturday's game rather than just thinking oh it's something to do it's an I'm, I'm obligated to watch but I'm actually looking forward to it like I wish it was right now the RJ game you mentioned the referee there, um, Barry Cook. He's a familiar name amongst Thistle fans. Before we got onto the the Ghost Goal to electric boogaloo, Mark, were we lucky to go in at half-time with 11 men on the puck?
2: Yes. <laughs> yes, we were. I cannot believe that Brian didn't get sent off for that because we were, like, we were all watching it together, sort of like, you know, we watch party thing on Facebook and like, He went up with his elbows, leading with his elbow. He he does it all the time. And, like, the boy was down, and you're just like, all right, ah, there's been a a wee bit of a collision. He's been booked. That's it. But the boy was still down. Like, he was down for, like, nearly five minutes, and I'm like, has he killed him? I can't believe he got away with that. I think I wouldn't be surprised if further action comes but like my god I was like oh my like just a- absolutely agog at what I saw like because it, it's different when you see things like that and somebody leaves with the elbow and there's, there's a bit of a fracas or whatever and it sort of dissipates but like he was down for ages and you're like surely like it's that whole di- it's that whole discourse really like when there's an injury, should it be automatically a red card and all that sort of stuff? But like, I definitely thought we were a bit fortunate. Like,
0: I think the lack of reaction from the Barton players did save him. Because as soon as he did it, we all sort of gasped as if he's just done him. But nobody really reacted on the pitch. And it's it looked worse than the one he gets sent off for at Palmerston. But I think he'd done a couple and he could have been booked by that stage. I think he was a lucky man. I think McCall was right to, to sub him off at half-time. And Subbing Brian Graham off at half-time did lead to Ross McIver coming on. Rhys, I'll come to you on McKeever. I know you've spoken about him a couple of times in the podcast about how you're quite excited by the look of him.
4: How important was that first goal last night for him? The first goal was massive for any any forward. And as I've already mentioned, like, I was over the moon for him. The guy runs himself into the ground for the team. And then often when a new striker goes five games without school, opening his account for a new club, the fans start to get on his back and they start to write him off but I haven't seen that at all from any Jags fans because of the way like McIver is. Like, you just know that it's only a matter of time before he takes one of his chances. And yeah, I might be wrong, but I think he's out of contract in the summer and I'd be more than happy to see him back at Four Hill next season. I think he's a good asset and a young age for a striker. So I'm really looking forward to what he can produce, hopefully in a Fissle shot.
0: It's definitely exciting, I think, in fairness to Thistle fans, they were probably too busy writing off eh, Brian Graham and Zach Rudden to pay any notice to McKeever, but here we are anyway. Not very good for him to get his goal. It was a tidy finish last night. We'll move on to Barry Cook, if he deserves any any further mention. It looks from the images, from Tommy Taylor's image and from the image from the halfway line, that the ball was in. Obviously, we can't be 100% sure Um just due to angles and stuff, but it certainly looked in. Jamie, what were your thoughts on that incident? I mean, I've seen a
1: behind the goal camera as well, like actual video of it, and it definitely looks like it's over the line because Kutongo's like extended his leg over the line to clear it. So it, it looks like it's definitely over the line. So I, I was surprised the same referee that did the Dylan thing, and I remember the commentators, the Dumbarton commentators, so I thought they we were very good to be fair. Uh, at the start of the game, mentioning about oh it's Barry Cook, he's the one that disallowed the goal, uh, the Dylan Ghost goal. I was like oh, I was like thinking of, uh, odds on this guy does it again, just kind of sarcastically, and it actually did disallow another goal or didn't disallow it, just didn't give it. It was over the line with us again. So hopefully we don't get him as a referee again because it seems to so haunt us. But as what it is at the end of the day, we got the win, so it's not as annoying. I'd be absolutely raging if we dropped points and that was the only chance of the game, but we got the win and Rodden got his goal so
4: I'm not as bothered. I just echo what Jamie said there as well like seriously like you don't you really don't want him to ref your games anymore because like to be honest Barry Cook should never officiate a party official game in his career again. That's two glaring howlers now that could have been extremely costly had we not done the business on both occasions. I imagine we'd drawn 0-0 last night after we'd not been awarded that goal. Like titles are won and lost on these decisions. I think like he should he should like, he should get demoted, at least. I know it's not as glaring as the last one, but it's a big mistake. Like, imagine, as I've already said, imagine we didn't win last night. McCall would have been told up waiting outside the referee's office at full time. And they, they, they see all the dash that
3: everyone pulls out in these sort of situations. Imagine if that happened to Rangers or Celtic in a game that could potentially cost them the title. Absolute carnage. It'd be out, really. It just would not stand. And it's just like, well, the fact, that, and then imagine it happened twice. Imagine they'd done it twice to the same club. Com- it would be pandemonium. And I, I think that, yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, as much as you're not really going to get, um, you know, on the level um, analysis about <laughs> the Ghost Goals on our Party festival podcast, because clearly we're going to be inherently biased, I, I have to agree, like, it's ridiculous. It's happened twice. And obviously, it's very unfortunate, but I mean, come on.
0: Can I come back to you on two things you just said there, David? One, I think, like, if if we've learned anything about Scottish football in the pandemic, it's the, oh, well, imagine if this happened to Rangers or Celtic. Argument does not apply to any other club apart from Rangers and Celtic. It's all about Rangers or Celtic. And second, did you say Adage? Adage, yes. The old dash. I've never heard that. A-D-A-G-E. The old dash. I've never heard that in my life. The old adage I've heard, but never the Adage. I'll I'll just uh, I'll stick up for Barry Cook at one percent here. I think I, it was totally to blame for the dueling goal goal. Last night is obviously a poor decision, but I think the linesman should have probably been in the better position to give it. And if your linesman isn't giving it, it's you're it's really bold to overrule your linesman who's in the better position, and the linesman will probably argue Rudden was blocking his view. But as as you guys have said, if it happens once, you can sort of go, mm, OK, if it happens twice, you're beginning to think, well, you're you're just not up to the job. So we hope we'll not see Barry Cook refereeing any of our games in the future. Then we'll move on to the title race, as I mentioned. I'm just at the glad the
2: referee didn't think it was a shy this time. I think, see, above everything else, like the Doolin Gossco, like the thing that made it all the more bizarre was the fact the referee thought it was a minute for a shy.
0: Earlier this week, I spoke to Airdrie fan Colin Telford and Falkirk fan Robbie Copeland about their thoughts on the title race. I'm now joined by Colin Telford of the Only the Lonely podcast, which is an energy podcast. Colin, thanks for joining us. How are you? No,
5: I'm good, thanks. How are you?
0: Um, I'm well. And also here's Falkirk fan and sports journalist Robbie Copeland. Robbie, how are you? Ah, not too bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, thanks both for joining us. Uh, I was just saying to the guys off air there, we, we have tried hard to get a co fan, but... To no avail, so we're going to have to just stick with a Falkirk, Airdre Thistle fan on this chat. Robbie, i will come to you first since you're second in the table. What are your thoughts on Falkirk's recent form and the decision to part ways with your co-managers yesterday?
6: Uh, well, it's been a disaster. I mean, the last five games have been, I, I mean, an absolute travesty. Um, like I think we were nine points clear at one point and we've won one of our last five and. I mean, I, I was, I surprised was, like I was saying off air, I was surprised when we sacked Miller and McCracken, but not because I didn't think it was deserved, because I just didn't think our board were going to have the kind of guts to do that. So I think it was the right call and um, I think it's given us a chance because I think if we'd stuck with what we had with those two, um, it just wasn't going to work for us. The form at Cecil and Cover, and if we stuck with those two, we'd be hanging on for a playoff spot, basically, because I know it's only five points or something back to Montrose. So, um I think it's the right call and it's it'll get Gary Holton to hopefully just take the players to the scruff of the neck and try and pick up three wins in the last four to give us a fighting chance. So, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm kind of disappointed because I like Miller and McCracken, but uh, from a football perspective, it was the right call. And it's kind of, I suppose it's kind of good to see the club being ruthless and try to give us as best a chance as possible. So, yeah.
0: I think we often see when, especially ex-players get sacked, you see, I think it was Lee Mayer was the guilty party yesterday, the pundits and uh, sort of analysers of the game come out and condemn the decision, but you've you've touched it. You think it was a fair decision? Has it been as bad as it's looked for Falkirk? I think the stats from the Peter Head game the other night look pretty awful. Has it been that bad on the park?
6: Yeah, I mean it's been bad for a while. To be honest, like when we when we started the season, we went on a good run and built up a lead. We weren't playing well anyway, to be honest with you, um, but we were still getting results, and I think we were kind of of the thinking that. Um, Oh, OK, we're not playing well, we're getting results, fine, that's enough. Um, eventually, we'll get a bit of momentum going and we'll start to just, you know, roll teams over a wee bit. But it's kind of gone the other way. We've gone from not playing well and winning games to not playing well and not winning games. And we've, obviously, we've lost our last two. We beat Clyde before that, but then we drew with them Barton and then we lost, with Airdrie before, lost to Airdrie before that. So, I mean, you're talking about one win in five and, and like in League One which for a team who were nine points clear not that long ago, it's a, it's a disgrace. So, um, yeah, it's absolutely the right call. Eh? And, um, but, yeah, no, it has been it has been every bit as bad as it looked. You can, you can trust me on that one.
0: Colin, Airdrie secured their top their top half finish just the other night, but you're still well well in with a shout at the title. You're only four points behind Thistle with four games to go. The splits worked quite well for, for Airdrie in that sense. So, so what are your thoughts on,
5: on their recent form? Recent form's been good uh, since the last time we, we played you uh, when we were, or played Thistle, uh, when we were at a real, real low ebb. A terrible performance in the second half, kind of gift-wrapping two goals for you, compounded by our captain then going in with a, a straight leg lunge on someone, which then meant that we had a makeshift defence for the next game against Coven. We lost that, and at that point like, very you'd struggle to find an Airdrie fan with anything positive to say about Ian Murray. They then They've turned it around. Um, they had a very stodgy win at Dumbarton. Uh, the game against Falkirk, which which Robbie's just mentioned, which also swung on a missed penalty by Falkirk. I mean, Falkirk score that penalty, uh, we we'll lose that game. But we got the other end of the park and and score quite soon afterwards. Two 0 down against Montrose, we managed to get back to two each in the ninety fourth minute with an OG win that the, the, their, their keeper really should have held. Uh, and then we were really good uh, against East Fife. Uh, it's quite interesting. I think a lot of teams have done good business in the, what do you even call it? It's not a transfer window, the break. So, Thistle, you brought in Tiffany, who um, looks a brilliant player at this level. Pace to burn really caused us problems and would be my concern for Saturday. Uh, we brought in Kyle Turner and Paul Payton. Um, and how it's taken us about eight matches to get them both on the pitch together through injury and suspension. Uh, but midfield's been our, our key challenge of an area. Uh, and if I think for injury to win the title, we need to win on Saturday, which I, I think's possibly going to be a, a step too far. But if we do win on Saturday, we'd be right in the mix. We we need to win every game. It's not even in their own hands. Uh, Thistle could lose to us on Saturday and win every other game, and we, we can't catch you. So uh, it, it's exciting. We've had a bit of form at the right time to to make the top five. Uh, realistically, we need to make sure that we perform better than Montrose over the, the the next four games. Uh, and then there's that dream that, but you just don't give up as a football fan that, that somehow we're going to win four games against all these teams that are at the top end of the league, uh, and and whoever wins the league this season, uh, I think it's going to be one that you, you look on fondly because everybody's been so up and down. Uh, if it's Cove, it's a great story for them because it's back to back promotions and back to back titles. Falkirk. It'll be down to being able to turn it around from sacking the two managers and Thistle, probably the same as us at points, a lot of your fans wanted to call out. Uh, uh, then, if you do win the league, uh, it's been so tight and it'll be dramatic at the end, it's a good win to win. So, so there's going to be an exciting end to this league. Uh, probably a bit of a stretch for it to be, but if we win on Saturday uh, then we, there's no reason why why we couldn't. That's just going to be the big challenge. Absolutely.
0: I mean, We were eight points behind Falkirk at one stage a couple of weeks ago, so Four points with 40 play and the, the top five all playing each other. It's, it's wide open, I think. Um, I'm just going to get your thoughts on, on each of your side's post-split fixtures. Maybe some concerns you've got. I was just looking at ours. We are away to Cove on the Tuesday night and then play Falkirk at home 48 hours later. And I know we don't have a Cove fan on, but I was just looking at their record and they've only won one of their three midweek games. So maybe Cove playing midweek doesn't entirely suit them. Do you have any sort of similar concerns about your run-ins?
6: I mean, well, starting with Thistle and Cove for us is, um, I mean, the, here, how, how else do you want to lay down the gauntlets? Do you know what I mean? This is, we've got to, basically got to win those two games or get four points for those two games. So it's a difficult start. Um, I think maybe it could suit us that if we get to the last two and it's um, Airdrie and uh, Montrose, who are probably the two weaker teams out of the four in the top half, that could give us a, a decent chance to finish the season strongly, but yeah. Um, Yeah, to be honest, I kind of winced when I looked at the fixtures. Um, I didn't actually check them until yesterday, um, but when I saw we were starting with Cove and Thistle, who have won one game out of four against so far, uh, we'll we'll know if we're going to win the league by Thursday, basically, when we play Thistle.
5: Uh, But for Falkirk, I mean, that's the issue, isn't it? You've lost twice to us.
6: Yeah, um, exactly.
5: Um, so, so you don't have a good record against these teams. so That's the bit that you need to, to turn exactly, around.
6: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, Airdrie, I think, are the team who've given us the most problems across the, the game so far. Like, I think we've played okay against Thistle both times, and we beat Cove at home. But at Airdrie, both times you made us look absolutely shocking. And partly due to yourselves being really good at the time. And yeah, so I mean, it's a big ask for us to to win because I think any team that's going to win the league has to win. I know you were saying that Airdrie had to win four. I think for Thistle, Cove or Falkirk, realistically, nine points out of the 12 will be enough. But I think for us to get that is a big, big ask. Um,
0: We were talking on a a recent episode, and I don't think any of us knew the exact stat, but is it not a wild amount of time since Falkirk beat a full-time team?
6: Yeah, to be honest, but I can't remember the last time he beat a full-time team. Um, It would have been last... Would it have been last season? It would maybe even be going back to the Championship season because I don't think we beat Wraith last season. So I think it would maybe even be going back to the season we got relegated. Um, but I couldn't tell you when it was, so I every chance what you've read is correct.
0: Yep, Colin, what about you? What are, what are your thoughts on just running?
5: So we've got Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. That's fallen quite well. But again, it's down to what happens on, on Saturday. So if we lose on Saturday... Montrose have not played this weekend and then they've got us on the Tuesday night. So they come into that game with with a bit of a rest. And then that will be key in trying to make the playoffs. If if we we're going to do it, then having that nice Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday works. Because as you say, you guys have got... If you've got a match on the Tuesday and the Thursday or the Thursday and the, the Saturday, they are very close together. Um, but it, the, the the problems more, it's a big ask. We haven't beaten... Uh, It's quite interesting. So Falkirk, last year, you took two points out of nine against us and Wraith took nine from nine. And it's similar this year. I mean, you're second in the league, but Thistle have beaten us twice and and beaten us pretty comfortably, uh, in fairness, despite letting us go ahead in both games, um, whereas Falkirk have taken zero points. So we don't have a good record against any of these teams except Falkirk. Uh, So we we would need to turn that around. But in terms of the timing of the games, the timing of the games is quite good. Uh, what I think will be interesting is once you're out of the title race, this would probably need Montrose to, uh, to kind of fall out of the picture. But Airdrie to play Fokker on the last day of the season, um, if the first leg of the playoffs against the championship team is going to be on the, the Tuesday night, which I suspect it will be, we're safe in fourth place. We'd have no real interest in that game. We'd want to get through that game with Resting people, rotating the yeah. squad, making sure we don't get injuries, and don't get suspensions. So, so something like that could come into this as well. Yeah. We're definitely going to be all out for a win against Thistle on Saturday. If in last day of the season we're safe in fourth place, yeah, we're not going to be too too bothered about anybody. I mean, you Hart. would st-
6: still beat us though. Like you would still beat us. You could <laughs> put here but you still beat us. Like it's just you yeah. can't beat Airdrie. That's the thing. It's funny how that football throws that up sometimes. Yeah,
5: because uh, yeah, we've uh, St John's. Like, like you've just said, there I mean, what's
6: that, um, two points from uh, from 15 against you since we got relegated. I mean, that's, yeah. uh, that's that's quite appalling. I mean, no disrespect, but it's absolutely shocking. It's a kind of sign of the inconsistency that we've shown since we come down. You know, there's there are teams at this level, and Clyde have sort of been the same. They were last season anyway. There's teams who we just can't seem to get the better of. Maybe we started a bit, bit of naivety with the managers, but, um, yeah, hopefully it changes, because if not, then we're going to be here for a while, I think. And, Th-
5: and Thistle's like that for us. So, OK, you're only in the league this year, but you've beaten us twice. We've met you in the League Cup umpteen times over the last few years, and you, you just you just regularly beat us. So these are the kind of things that we'll, we'll need to break. But, but yeah, timings for the games is, is good. That's a, a tick. Just need to win the four off them.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Colin, I think you touched on it earlier about Kyle Turner and Paul Payton, who's, who's well-known to Thistle fans. If you could name one or two players from each of your teams that Thistle fans should look out for in our games against you.
5: It's, Kyle Turner has made the, the, the massive difference and the frustration. We'll all have frustrations this season because leagues, that way you'll think back to silly points that you dropped. Uh, we signed him on loan until the end of the season and he was sent off four minutes into his first game at Peterhead. Uh, for, it was just a bit of over-exuberance but it was a, a high foot, studs up he then got two games for violent conduct and we lost those three games so one with him uh, off after, and us putting with ten men for the, the vast majority of the game, which we only lost 1-0 so I think it would definitely made a difference there then, listen to Thistlin' Cove may, may have made a difference, might not have, but he, he's the one I mean, he's far too good for this level uh, we've only got him in loan I think because he wouldn't sign a new deal with them so they've frozen him out um, they'd already signed a guy and loaned him back to us and decided they wanted to have him rather than Kyle Turner and it's, it's worked out really well for us so for Airdrie to do anything, he needs to play all four games and play really well uh, supported by, I know he's not a hero at Thistle uh, Paul Payton, if he can sit in the hold and roll, support that um, that midfield Thistle to me, have got I've got a number over our defence uh, and so we'd need to cut out the supply to your your front men especially Tiffany, I think Peyton sent in front of the uh, the defence could possibly do that. So so midfield's absolutely key uh, up front. Ali Roy is quick and can get in behind defences, uh, but then we've also got Kyle Connell who's on loan from uh, Kilmarnock or, or coming off the bench, or he might start instead of, of Roy. And um, those two need to chip in with goals. But Kyle Connell, I think, is a one for the future. He's only nineteen. Uh, he, he can do all. He can hold up. He's quite quick. I think he's going to be a, a decent player. I would hope he would make it at a, a Premiership level. Robbie,
6: I well similar to what you were saying about uh, Connell there. Um, the, I mean, we've it's hard to pick a good performer from us since uh, we come back because it's been so disjointed and so um, you know we've not had any kind of fluidity in the selection of the team. But I think uh, the boy we signed on loan for Dundee United, right, um, Kai Fotheringham, who's I think he's just 18 or something, but he is uh, he's looked a cut above. So I think if we're going to have any chance of kind of scoring goals again, what a concept. Um, I think he'll be, have a big part to play. Um, if you'd asked me before the break, I told you Callum Morrison, but he seems to have gone missing, so I don't know what's happened to him. He's been playing, but he's just been anonymous where he was our player of the season. But yeah, other than that, I think uh, Aidan Keener coming back has helped a wee bit. He was kind of pre-season, he was really threatening to you know score like 20 goals this season, but then he got an injury and he barely played before the break and he just kind of come back in scored once, but um, yeah, no, I think, I mean, yeah, I think it's similar to we're just, we, we're needing to score goals first and foremost, because if we can do that, then we can sort of turn teams over, so those two players will be big big, um, we've always lost um, Margaro Gomez, who got sent off the other day, and I think he's our only central midfielder who can defend, so that'll be an interesting one, but I, I can see us conceding um, a good amount of goals in the last few games, because our defence is a shambles. So I think it will come down to can we just find some kind of rhythm where we can just score a few goals in most games, and I, following him in uh, Kena, I think will a big part in that. And Matt, it's a, it's a Thistle podcast. So what about
5: what about what about the Jags? And four wins on the spin looks like you're the, the team that's got the momentum. Are you, are you starting to feel confident? We are starting to
0: feel quite confident,
5: which I think is the concerning
0: thing. Because as a perfect Preta fan, whenever whenever you're feeling confident, you know something bad's around the corner. Or no, I think what you've mentioned about Tiffany and Ruddon as well. Uh, before the the shutdown over this uh, the winter months, uh, Rudden didn't really have any fitness. thing. one of his only games, he got sent off at Falkirk, and obviously Tiffany was added to the team in that winter transfer window. So getting them into the attacks made a huge difference. Because I think we've gone from averaging less than a goal a game to the top goal scorers in the division and I'd say it's it's mainly down to them the pressure's been taken off Brian Graham and he looks a better player for it so that front three is going to be key for us and I think if they keep performing I think we will be quite hard to stop but you never know Um, just just to finish I've been asking uh, our panellists for the last few episodes if they could put uh, how confident they are in a Thistle title win into a percentage Uh, and we've had everything ranging from 33 to 90% from uh, David. From David is the eternal optimist on the podcast. So if you were to rate Falkirk and Airdrie's title chances as a percentage, how would you rate them, Robbie?
6: Oh, Christ. Um, I, I don't know. I think I think it's still anyone's game. Because uh, I think any of our, our team's sort of win can get three wins out of the four. You've got a good chance. So as much as I'm like um, kind of deflated with our form, I think we've still got a chance. Uh, I'd probably put it at about... 40% yeah 40% final answer lock it in <laughs> Colin the bookies have got is at
5: 25 to 1 and they don't often get it wrong so it's low I mean it's uh, I, I said we did the same thing in our podcast 1% uh, but that was before uh, t- I mean Tuesday night really burst things open especially for uh, especially for Thistle we couldn't have gone much better so it's all down to Saturday I'm not confident about going to for Helen getting a win the two midfielders that were brought in have made a massive difference, and I think you need to have that gang spirit amongst the team. Growing up watching you during the nineties, it was all about the collective. I think it's whatever team goes on the consistent run. We'd need a whole load of luck. So I'll see, I'll see. I've gone up from the one. I'll go to five percent, but <laughs> all hitting you stone. I'll know at five o'clock on Saturday that's going to be uh, that's going to be zero or it's going to be ninety nine because that's how football fans are. <laughs> This time of year, going to how hopefully in the, the sunshine for a, a, a near top of the table clash that's been kind to us uh, would have been amazing. And I think you'd have had 5,000 or something there on Saturday. So it's a, it's a shame, but let's hope that we're, we're just about there with that. Whatever group of fans, whether it's one of us or Cove or Ormond or Rose come, uh, come from right at the back, uh, it's going to be an amazing season. So just enjoy it as best you can on, on live streams and whatever. Uh, but but yeah, thanks for having us on, Matt, and, and made the best team win as long as it's here, <laughs> Yeah, no, thanks for your time, guys. Enjoy.
0: Cheers, guys.
6: Cheers, you better, guys. See you.
0: cheers guys. We're going to talk about the title race now. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we leapt from third place up to first last night as. Cove lost at Montrose and Falkirk lost at Peterhead. So we're now two points clear of both Falcock and Cove who play each other on Saturday as we face Airdrie at home. I'll come I'll come round as I did on the last episode, I'll come round and ask your general thoughts on the title race, and then I'll ask you again for a percentage of chance you think we've got to secure the title. So Mark, I'll start with you.
2: Well <laughs> I'm gonna keep my feet on the ground. Um, until the weekend, like until Saturday at least. Um, if we can win that, I reckon it. Or, it obviously, to, without going all Scott Steiner, uh, the, our odds will drastically go up because that will mean that both Falkirk and Cove need to beat us. Uh, but so like getting something on Saturday for me is more important before making any predictions about whether we're going to be champions or not. So, like, probably know the reaction you're wanting, but this season's been topsy turvy enough. And, like, I just keep, I don't know if it's just the thistle fan in me or just the fact, like, I'm inherently sort of glass half empty. Like, I keep feeling like there's going to be a bit, there's going to be some vintage Partick thistle coming our way at any point now. And, like, I don't want to be putting my, don't really want to be putting my neck on the line. Just shit. Wait till Saturday, see what happens.
0: I kind of hope we've had the vintage Partick Thistle by <laughs> chasing the 22-game season and ending up top after 18. But no, I'm, I'm with you, keeping keeping the feet on the ground. Jamie, what about you?
1: Um, I had 66% in the last time you asked this, so I'll I'll try keep it a at a bit, but I'll put 75% because I don't want, maybe I'm a slight, bit more confident than that, but I don't really want to say in case we end up like screwing it up. But um, see that I know people are making the joke about oh we're top after eighteen games, but the thing is I don't think we would have been top if it had been an eighteen game season. I think that the fact that we knew that there was twenty two games to play for has given us more, more of a boost and more of a reason and a hunger to go on and win games and play the way we are. So a part of me doesn't actually think we would have been top after eighteen games. and Falkirk would have probably won the league and they probably wouldn't have collapsed the way they did as well. I think they just kind of folded under the pressure and. Cove, Cove are probably the one that I, I think Falkirk could end up finishing third, but you never know how they're going to do it under Gary Holt. Cove, if we beat Cove on the Tuesday, then I think we will win the title. I, I just can't see us slipping up after that, because especially if Falkirk and Cove draw at the weekend and we go four clear, I just, you never know. Could end up doing it, but I, I just can't see us slipping up if we that does happen. I totally agree with you about
0: the 18-game uh, uh, season, Jamie. I know it is ironic we've ended up top, but I think if, if it was an 18-game season, I'm, I'm not sure would have got there. I, I agree that the 22 games has boosted us and sort of led to this form rather than it being just a fluke and ironic thing. David, what about you?
3: Yeah, like I, I would agree about the 18-game season. I don't think we would have won it. I think Falkirk would have a house to a draw or something like that, and, and managed to scrape by to win it after the 18 games. I think the fact that we were like six, not like, what, ten days ago, something like that, says to me that... I think most Fistle fans have kind of thrown it away and we like, no, it's done, we'll go for the playoffs. And then other people have collapsed around it as we've kind of came into form, and I don't necessarily think that would have happened if it was... An 18-game season. Um, as Mark says, you expect a vintage Fiscon. You, you expect us to get you get the hands on the title and then like fall on our arse and lose it. And then Falkirk or Cove to go and snatch the title. If you'd said to me yesterday after the game, I don't think Falkirk would have had any chance. Now that now that they've sacked our manager, and they put Gary Holt in. They should be a bit better. However. I think Gary Holt has had quite a lot in the decision making up to this point as this anyway, so I, I don't know if it's going to be a drastic change. Hoping for a draw on Saturday, but I'm, I'm going, I'm going to stick my neck out in the line. I'm, I'm not going to be a coward and sit in the fence like Mark. Ninety percent get the champagne open.
4: Jesus Christ, Rhys. Well, I'm sure on the last episode I said. I believe our chances I win the title are around eighty percent. I'm gonna stick with the same percentage. But honestly, it's in our hands now. Like what a mad feeling to be sitting clear at the top of the table with four games to play. It really is the old hot wings, like who'd I thought it mean? But it's a massive chance for these players these players to write their names into the party fistle history books. Like you look at the way the 2012-13 team are spoken about, we may not have romped the league in the same fashion, but a league title is a league title. And it could be the only piece of silverware some players achieve in their whole career, and I'm sure Ian McCall will be drumming that the importance of this into the players. Like the players have been going to the well for the club in the last few weeks, and let's just hope it continues. Um, and as you say, like just touching on Gary Holt. is Gary Holt a good manager? Like it was at Falkirk before, they weren't great. It was at Livy, and we all know that Livy really was run behind the scenes by Martindale, as you're seeing now. Like you see with David Hopkin at Livy, everyone thought he was a great manager. Went to Bradford, not so much. Was at Morton, not so much. Now at Air, not so much. It was being carried by David Martindale. Let's hope that Gary hope success at Livy was all down to David Martindale as well. So aye, that's my thoughts on the title the title race. And obviously Cove as well. Yeah. I actually think Cove will be our main contenders. I think Falkirk will actually fade away a wee bit, as you've said. So let's just hope we can do the business against Cove. Well, Erdry first and foremost and Cove. I'm just talking a lot of shit now, aren't I? so you could cut that last bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, nah, it was a really good point. <laughs> a really good point on uh, Holt, and I hope that is the case. Mark, do you want to stick a percentage on your your title chances?
2: Ooh, I would probably say sixty percent, maybe that's, sixty-five. That's, yeah, I've been reasonable. I've I yeah, like been reasonable like, because you've got to remember we have that we have we do have the goal difference as well. So it's yes. two, we like three if you're counting the goal difference. So it's sort of in our hands, but I want us to walk before we can run. It's definitely, it's definitely I'm just, just not wanting to jinx anything, man. Like, yeah. I'm just not wanting to jinx anything.
0: Don't worry, David's already jinxed it. Anyway, the bookies have seen us have went from 10 to 3 before that last round of matches to 11 to 10 favourites, I believe. So the bookies have really slashed the odds. I think in the last episode, I, I said, I think we've got a 50% chance of winning the title. I think now I'm going to say 51%. I think the the results were obviously good for us. But I think any title race, you're going to get twists and turns. And I think last night was probably just a twist and a turn. And you're probably going to get more twists and turns. So as much as the table looks great, I'm I'm with Mark. I'm keeping my feet in the ground. I'm going to go 51%. It's in our hands. But until it's mathematically secure, you'll get nothing above reasonable numbers for me. None of your 90% 90 nonsense. Co-fans are like London buses. Shortly after we lamented the lack of Co-fan to join in in our earlier discussion, we had two in our DMs as David caught up with Co-fan David Cow and Jamie Durant, the reporter with the P&J and Evening Express. (laughs)
3: So now I'm joined by a co-fan David Cow and uh, Jamie Durant from the Press and Journal and Northern Goal podcast to discuss uh, Cove Rangers going into the split. So hello guys. First of all, Jamie, how are you?
7: I'm not so bad. Thanks. Yourself?
3: Um, not too bad. I'm excited for the split. David, yourself?
7: Yeah, good. Thanks.
8: And I'm also excited for the split.
3: It's a tense running. Um, we've got three teams separated by you know, a couple of points, it could swing any way. We've all got to play each other. It's it's a tense time. I'll come to you, Jamie. First of all, and the teams' form going into the split. How obviously Falkirk have kind of fallen away in the last five games, whereas we've went on a run. How have Cove done?
7: By and large, they've been in really good form of late. Up until Tuesday night's game against Montrose, they'd been unbeaten since. Uh, football return in the lower leagues back in March. They picked up a couple of big wins as well against Falkirk and, and Edrionians. So we'll see two teams that are going to be in the, the top half as well. And speaking to the, the kind of the players after the game on, on Tuesday night, that's not going to really affect their confidence, I wouldn't think. They've still been in in very good form and there's there's confidence there um given how well they've been performing over the course of the season, they've been very consistent had a little bit of a blip in december but since then they've by and large been um, very solid and they've picked up some important points along the way and if it was only a handful of games and they were sitting near the top of the table you could maybe put it down to a kind of a, a little bit of a spurt of form but given that they've they've done it over 18 games you've got to say that they thoroughly merit the position that they've got in the table
8: i think you know we've been unbeaten in the league up until tuesday um since december the 19th and we've got beat three 2 by uh clyde so tuesday actually marked um an eight game unbeaten run um for cove so there is certainly form there certainly confidence and we're the league's uh lowest conceders as well with just 12 goals so uh, pretty watertight at the back and uh with mitch we have Bulls galore, you know, 11 in 15 games is some record in 170 in about 200 games since he joined in 2016. He definitely just needs a half chance. Um, so there's positivity going forward.
3: And obviously going into uh, the post-split fixtures, it's, it's going to be a very tough run in for everybody because it's going to be a case of, I believe, Cove are the team that are going to be playing Saturday, Tuesday, 1st of Saturday. They're the ones with the game, uh, the, the game week off the last Saturday, is
7: that right? Yeah, that's right. The kind of the game on Tuesday night against Montrose was obviously the kind of the one that could have a, a pivotal impact going forward. Um obviously losing the game, dropped them into third place and handed them the schedule, but it's a couple of knocks as well and a suspension to uh, to Ryan Strachan it you'd hope it doesn't have a, a kind of a, a knock on effect, but it's the type of game that you can maybe look back on at the end of the season and maybe think what if and how big an impact did that actually have.
3: David, I know that certainly me and the other Fistle fans in the group chat, we'd kind of surmised, you know, you always do this sort of hypothetical brackets and stuff like that of, you know, which position would you like prefer. We'd kind of settled on, I think the third place would have been more preferential for ourselves and going in just with this fixtures because you would have that run of four games that you can just blast through while you're in a run of form. Do you think that is beneficial to Cove or would you prefer to have a bit of a rest in between one of the games?
8: It's, it's a really it's really hard and for a part-time team, you know four games in seven days is going to be very tough and we're going to be very wary of picking up injuries and that might alter the whole campaign. but um, I would say finishing third ne- wasn't necessarily a bad for Cove in that we have the two informed teams of partick and Airdrie at Belmoral. um and I think that's beneficial to us. Um, we do have a very tough first game um, of the split against Falkirk away, um, especially with the resignation of their, their managers McCracken and Miller, and with Holt coming in, you know they might get that new manager bounce. Um, that's something that we'll need to m- make sure we don't ha- that doesn't happen to us, and um, we need to make sure we need to at least match Partick's result on Saturday take them back to Balmoral and see if we can get the three points. And that would put us in the ascendancy it was two games remaining. There's a lot of uh, a lot of ifs and buts there, and it would be a massive task um, to, to get kind of four or six points out of the next two games. But it's something that we need to believe we can do.
3: And um, Jamie, obviously, uh, David mentioned Mitch Meganson, um a moment ago. He's in form at the moment, and it's been... Sort of the the lead scorer for Cove. Um, is there any other target men that you think that will be pivotal, or do you think it's going to be the Mitch Meginson show? I well,
4: I
7: don't think you can kind of underplay Mitch's importance to the team since the start of last season. Um, when they came into the leagues, he scored 35 and 39 games, which has been has been vital for them in the the kind of the runner form that they've been on. I think in the three games that he's missed this season, I think Cove have lost two and drawn one. And I mean, well, you can't just put it down to one factor of Mitch being involved. Invariably, if he's playing, he scores. He was one of the players that came off on Tuesday night late on with a knock, so you, they'd be hoping that he's available for for Saturday and consequently the kind of runner games that they've got. They do kind of want some, some of the other figures to chip in with goals. I think Rory McAllister's, he's scored a couple of key goals this afternoon. He scored the winner against um, Thistle when they came up there, in, came up to the Balmoral in October. And he's a proven he's a proven goal scorer at this level, and he's been getting a run of games as well, which is which is probably what he's been clamouring for. Um haven't been without Harry Milne and Jamie Mason for the remainder of the season, which is basically Cove's entire left hand side, will be a, a miss for them given the kind of partnership that they've formed over the last three years. They've not got the the deepest squad, and playing four games in seven days is going to be a a tough ask, as David mentioned, given that they've got they are part time players. My the ups the other upside of it that I maybe see is that if you do get a result on Saturday, and then maybe one on Tuesday against Thessaly, you just hope that momentum kind of carries you through, and the adrenaline carries you through the the kind of the fatigue, and you maybe get uh, you get the points that you're wanting. I mean, it's not ideal having the last day of the season off where you can't affect things. And you almost kind of sitting and waiting to see what happens elsewhere, and I think in an ideal world Cove would love to go up automatically, but if it's in the playoffs, then so be it.
3: And um, uh, David, is there any other players that you think are going to stand out for Cove um, outside of Meganson? Is there anybody that you would put, obviously mentioned, Ronan McAllister? Is there, is there anybody else you think is going to be key?
8: Yeah, I think in Connor Smith, who we've got on loan from Hearts, we have. Someone who's kin to Declan Glatz in that he'll want to go by a player. He can score and uh, he can supply. So I think he'll be crucial in the remaining four games. I think Fifey and Scully in the centre of midfield, um, both quite defensively minded, but they protect the back four. Um, they, they'll also be key. And uh, I think Ross Graham, loan uh, from Dundee United, has been a stalwart at the, at the back. I would like to see him maybe score a couple, come up for for corners and score a couple, but um, he's certainly been a standout um, for us this season.
3: Earlier on this season, when I spoke to Jamie, obviously we kind of talked about a lot of people had this sort of perception of Cove as wanting to do the Levy Free promotions, you know, just rising for the, the league's um going from highland to league to league one into the championship and everyone can kind of expected them to be kind of up there and i remember speaking to yourself at the time and you, you had a bit more pragmatic approach to it and, and the club had in the sense that they, they didn't expect to be sort of in that sort of title hunt they expected to be maybe top half you know before the split was a thing and now coming into to the split Kovar well, in it. So, would you say that Cove have overachieved, or do you think this is kind of this real? This was their plan all along, or is it just a case of? Do you think it's a strong run? How How do you think the club perceives it, uh, Jamie?
7: I think I think it probably is a slight overachievement. I would say, um, given it's the first season at this level, oh, I'd kind of caveat that with it I'm not entirely surprised by it. So given the way that they adapted to to life in in League Two last season and almost kind of took it in the stride and. And just kind of went from from strength to strength, really. Um, publicly, at least, they've been kind of very kind of pragmatic about it, which you can kind of understand. I mean, if you're coming out at the start of the season as a newly promoted club, saying we want to go and challenge for the title, and there's always the risk that that comes back to bite you further down the line. And certainly, as far as Paul Hartley is concerned, he's always kind of tried to play things down a little and um, just kind of re reemphasize how big an achievement it is for for Cove to have, have had the season that they had now they're in this position with kind of the end of the season in sight um you're starting to hear the players talk a little bit more positively about kind of promotion and what can be achieved they they obviously have the belief in the squad and in their own ability that despite the fact that they are part-time and they're going up against full-time teams that they can go on and and do something special again it wouldn't be too much of a surprise i wouldn't think if they managed to do it except given how well they did last season but i still think where they find themselves now it is um, is probably an overachievement on what they expected coming into the, their first season in League One.
3: And David, being a Co-Rangers fan, obviously having witnessed the the rise from Highland League side, beating Berwick in the playoffs, going into League Two, winning League Two, going into League One, challenging to, uh, for the title race. How how has that been for yourself? How do it? Have you expected it? Has it been a surprise? Are you just along for the ride? What What are your thoughts on the sort of the whole? project up until now in terms of how far you've come do you feel that there's more to go or do you think this is a natural level
8: i think it's been a it's been a big rise and the expectations i think were high going into the start of the season with four straight wins at the start of the season we kind of justified that and made people stand up and realize we're a threat at this level personally for me i thought top four was the realistic ambition a chance to get in the playoffs. Um, and who knows what happens at that point. But now we have the chance to exceed that. We have the chance to potentially go up automatically. And it's a, still a huge ask. You know, it's a very tough split for Cove. Um, but we need to try and grasp it because you never know when the the next chance will be to, to step up to the championship. A lot of the players who played in the Highland League are still playing for us. And I think that's testimony to the squad, you know, the seven or eight guys there that were playing Highland League uh, a few years back. And um, so I think they'll, they'll have real ambition to, to press on and uh, to prove that they can, they can play at the, the higher level of the championship. So I I think uh, we need to try and grasp it with both hands. And if if we try our best towards the end of the season and if it is the playoffs. And and we don't make it at least at least we can we can stand with our heads held high at that point.
3: And finally I usually ask for a, a scoreline prediction when I have people on, but I think in this case we're we're doing it a little bit differently. So I'll, I'll ask you is two questions, so to speak. So I would like a percentage chance from both of you as to whether you you'll win the title and as well as that a percentage chance of you going up via the playoffs. So Jamie, I'll come to you first. The percentage chance and call winning the title.
7: I will go I will go sixty percent.
3: Confident. That's quite confident, yeah. Um David, would you echo that?
8: I before Jamie spoke, I was going to go fifty percent chance. And um, I'd probably stand by around about that. Um be honest I, th- I think the next two are crucial and um, it will make or break and um, how I I'll make or break if we go up automatically or not I think and um, what Jamie said was very true that if we can get positive results like the next two and um, I think we'll have that momentum going into the last two and I don't think the fatigue will play a part but in the same vein um next two games it, it could break us. Um, as well and consign us to the playoffs.
3: I would agree with yourself. I think that is it's basically 50-50 between ourselves and Cove. I don't I don't see Falkirk winning out the league title. Um, I think they've fallen away and they, I know they brought in Gary Hope. He's been in that set-up the whole season and I, I don't necessarily think that him off the leash, so to speak, is necessarily going to result in them find, magically finding this formation, seeing as they've changed their formation throughout the season and haven't found it yet i um but but yeah if, if um if the worst did happen, and for example, ourselves our went and Cove ended up in the playoffs, what percentage chance do you have of them going for the playoffs and getting promoted?
7: I'd probably say a kind of a similar a similar kind of a similar kind of number, really um it's hard to know without, without knowing which of the championship teams will drop down. um I've seen a little bit of Morton. Playing against um, Inverness and wasn't kind of too impressed with how with how they have been. And then I guess if it's if it's them, I'd say it's fifth again. It's it's a fairly even split considering you're gonna have, probably have another full time team in there and maybe two with with Edgionians as well. This playoff setup in the lower in kind of the League One and League Two at least is a little bit fairer than you see you see the ones you see in the Championship going up to the. To the premiership and that you there's just a team dropping down and it's a straight semi final and final. Again, I'd probably say if they end up in the playoffs, I'd probably say again it's around a around a 60, 65% chance that I, I would give Cove of of going up.
8: I echo Jamie's thoughts there. I think it's about I give us a bit higher chance uh, going through the playoffs, maybe sixty percent. And we proved we can beat championship. Clubs when we uh, beat Aloa in in the cup um, earlier on in the year, um, it's just whether at that point we will have the the play the players fit and the the stamina to uh, to endure another potential four yeah. games um, after what would have been a busy split and end of the season.
3: Thanks again, Jamie and David for coming on to chat. Um, Good luck for the rest of the season. Obviously, not against us, but, you know, um, it seems strange. It's four games and it's over the space of um, a week. But, yeah, it's going to be one hell of a ride for the the next, what, 10 days. Um, But, yeah, again, good luck and thanks again.
7: No problem. Thanks, David.
8: Thank you. Good luck to Partick as well.
0: want to talk about Stuart Bannigan now. I think we're going to do a an end-of-season awards episode like we did last season, and I think uh, Bannigan will be quite heavily involved in the Player of the Year discussion, but I think we want to give him a bit of praise now. He's been another present since the restart. I think he might have be been another present all season, but I'll need to double-check that. But he's certainly been a, another present since the restart. I think we all want to sort of sing his praises
4: a wee bit Reese, I'll start with you what have you made of Bannigan's form recently Stuart Bannigan's been absolutely brilliant all season as you've just said Matt and everyone knows that Bannigan's a cracking player yeah he's had his bad spells where he could have done with a rest over the past couple of seasons but I think in these last few weeks we've seen Bannigan come back to his very best he doesn't stop sprinting from minute one to minute 95 an absolute top professional and see, to be honest when I'm saying he's back to his best it's actually a bit unfair on Banzo because his best was really when we were flying high in the Premiership speaking of Premiership I believe Ross Docherty as well could easily play in the Premiership in the near future so we've got a cracking midfield partnership for this level like they're way above their station Bannigan and Docherty should both be playing at a higher level and nothing would make me happier than seeing Stuart Bannigan lift another league title in Partick Fistle Colours like there's nobody that deserves it more than Stuart Bannigan after what he's went through in the last couple of years with us yeah. yeah. Jamie so
1: this this we can get caught I've just seen this on Twitter that uh Lee Miller and David McCracken got manager of them twelve days ago and now they've been sacked.
0: <laughs> that can that can stay in. That
1: can stay in. I've, I've, I've just seen that on Twitter. That's, that's mad. That's, what is this season? Sure banning yeah, sure Barry's been absolutely fantastic this season. I know some people I don't think will ever warm to them for this whole, you know, part of the problem being here since the premiership, but he, he's been a fantastic player this season. He does work alongside Doc sometimes. Some is, I think he's better on his own uh, with maybe a more attacking midfielder next time like Gordon. But he just is a great player. You know He sweeps up in midfield. Certain players give the ball away. He's good at winning it back. And one thing he's quite good at doing is like kind of holding the ball for a second then spinning around, turning it, passing it out wide. He's just good at starting moves, getting involved. Obviously, he got his goal from the free kick uh, last week. Just happy for him. I'm glad he got a goal, especially a goal that wasn't a penalty. It's nice. A bit of a rarity for him. I didn't expect it to be a free kick, but it's nice for him to get a goal as well for this season. Um, yeah, He's just been fantastic all season long. I thought last night was one of, probably one of his better performances of the season, one of his best ones. Maybe maybe went a bit unnoticed because it wasn't the highest quality game yesterday, but I was just impressed with him again. As per usual, just cleans up the midfield, gets good passes, is a leader on the pitch as well, and yeah, he's definitely in contention for a player of the year, probably alongside uh, Brownlee, Doc. Even, even I know he's not been here that long, but Tiff probably is in with a shout just because of the impact he's made. But he's definitely a very good shout for player of the year. and will it continue.
2: Mark, I think he's got to be one of, if not the best midfielder in the division. I think he's like he has played uh, nearly every game. And on top of that, uh, it's been every minute of every game as well. When you consider how he has came back from absolute hell in terms of his fitness and what could have been for him, like if if, if he doesn't have those injuries, he's I, th- I think he's on the fringes of the, of the Scotland squad. He's playing for a much better team than us. Certainly not in League One, but. I... I th- his performances this season—it's like watching him back when he was at his best, so to speak—and like, it seems weird saying that about a twenty-eight-year-old guy, but he's had what, the best part of two years out injured, whatever whatever the stories have been with with these knee injuries and stuff like that. Uh, I can't praise him enough. Like he's been that steady hand on the tiller, especially in a game like against Dumbarton There, there was pressure on us, you know, to deliver. After a good run of form, and we have the controversy, and then we get the goal, and then we seal it at the end. It's guys like that you're going to need the next four games, especially the next two games, especially where it's going to be because now we are top, we are getting shot at. We need guys like Stuart Panigan and Ross Dockery to stand up and be counted in the next in the next sort of week or so as this season plays out, depending on where we finish. For a wee bit further for the playoffs and whatnot, or if we do go up automatically, it's gonna be him who's gonna be one of the key guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna come round Ollie again
0: and I'm looking for one-word answers only. I'm gonna drop this question in and then you uh I'm blindside you with it. But sliding doors moment, obviously, Stuart Banning gets injured. If we have Stuart Bannigan available between late 2016 and early 2019-ish, Do we ever get relegated from the Premiership? Yes or no? David? Fuck's sake, Matt. What? That's Um, not a one-word answer.
3: um, Can I go after?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I told you I was blindsiding you. Right, Mark, if Stuart Bannigan's fit between in the 17-18 season, no knee injury, do we get relegated?
2: I don't think we do, because... You've got to remember. That's not a one-word answer. Well, no! (laughs) Jamie. He can't go one-word answer.
3: Here's a very loaded question that can't be unpacked in yes or no. I can.
0: I'll do what I like.
1: Who's hosting this? Jamie, one-word answer, please. Yes, we get relegated. The attitude around the club is terrible. Sorry.
4: (laughs) Fair. Reese. Um... No, we don't go down because he's not Martin Woods. Ten times a (laughs) clear. Mark, David? Do you
3: know something, right? was uh, A question. Right, Bannigan was made captain in the championship season onwards. He wasn't captain before, is that right?
0: (sighs) No, Osman was the captain. Well,
3: this is what I was thinking. If you have a fully fit Stuart Bannigan, who's the captain instead of Abdul Osman,
2: I'd say we don't get relegated, so I'll say no. Mark, yeah, I don't think I don't think we do. I, th- I don't think we do because Osman, like Osman and Woods, are abysmal midfielders. If we weren't drawn into such desperate times, and maybe it brings Andy McCarthy on a wee bit better as well, instead of being thrown in
1: at the Premiership. Oh come on! We were utter shite that season. I don't think Bannigan could have saved. Us. I, I got. I don't think he could have saved. Us. We Banigan. we lost by but one
4: goal. I, I agree. I, that's what I was about to say. We were shite, but it was one goal or something, wasn't it?
1: Uh, yeah. One no, like, goal. One goal. But
4: right,
1: Bannigan was with us last season, I mean, as much as he was definitely one of the best players, like if he's got shite around him, he can't just completely influence the entire game. I just, I just can't see. I, I was. Up with
8: him in the team. He, he didn't.
0: He wouldn't have had shite. Around him, it would have been good players in front of him and shite behind him.
1: Oh, I and thought,
0: I think that's enough.
1: I, there were so many issues that season, though. Like, I mean, at the time, maybe didn't see all of them, but in hindsight, there was a lot of issues that season.
0: I'm, I'm sort of, I'm sort of edging towards Jamie. I, I, I think Liam Lindsay. If we kept him, we wouldn't have get relegated. I'd say he's the the bigger loss than Bannigan that, that season. But I, I'm, I can see the whole point of we only went down by a goal. And David, I know you like Connor Salmon, but. Stuart Bannigan would have taken that penalty against Livingston, scored it, and then, then who knows what would have happened. So not the I think. would have gone 10 to <laughs> <laughs> I, I, oh, don't, I don't know, think Mike. we I don't
1: think we against Hamilton if Bannigan's in the team. I think that's
0: a
3: fair shout that we would have conceded that
0: goal against Hamilton. Well, it's a good it's a good um discussion to be had, but um I think we'll leave it there because I was only looking for four one word answers and we've spent about four minutes on it. So we'll we'll maybe put a wee poll out. After, when this episode gets released to see what other people think.
1: It um, ends, what group of fans get a hold of that poll? Oh, uh, it that's certainly going? does.
0: <laughs> Six quote tweets with just laughing emojis. Uh, on this week's Partridge Thistle section, we had a, a question request from Dave Donnelly. Uh, Dave's got in touch and asked, what is the earliest a meal can be to be classed as an early lunch? As a food enthusiast, I, I do like this question, so I, I saved it for for today, so I'll just open it up to anyone. What is the earliest a meal can be to be classed as lunch? Half 10. Any advance on half 10? Uh,
4: 11. 11, I'd say. I oh. Aye, half tens like the end of a McDonald's breakfast, isn't it? Or did they extend that to 11? It's at 11, I believe.
0: Yeah.
3: I I would say half eleven. I I I hate eating in the morning. I can't do it. But I've not had breakfast since like I was at school. It's just not for me. Um, I just I just don't function in the morning in the morning. So I would probably say half eleven is probably acceptable afternoon sort of time. I know it's not afternoon, but that's the sort of time where I would start thinking about eating something. So I'd probably say I would class that as being an early lunch as opposed to uh, a breakfast because I I just don't eat breakfast. It's just not, not
0: for me. See, as a man that eats curry for breakfast, I'm, I'm happy to say that any meal is is anything you want it to be. Don't just assume meal types. This is a modern world we live in. If you want something to be lunch, it can be lunch. And if you've been up since seven at your work and you've had, I don't know, a bit of fruit or a tea in the morning and it gets to nine, ten o'clock and you fancy that, that sandwich or that those leftovers from last night, you want to call that your lunch. You call it your lunch. It's it's down to you. You do you Hen. Exactly. Exactly. Before we finish this week, David's going to plug something. David, on you go.
3: Yes, yeah, so I just wanted to do a wee fistle adjacent thing. It's something that's quite close to my heart and I know it's something that Mark as well will probably um, agree with. Um, the Hill Library has been shut down and they're not reopening it after the coronavirus. Um, it's one of the oldest libraries in Scotland it was one it was funded by Andrew Carnegie which shows you how long ago it was and they're just not reopening it cause you can't be arsed and I think it's terrible Um uh, certainly from doing the 1921 special I know the sort of importance of public libraries because that's where a lot of records are kept and stuff like that so these sort of things being cut is not only for us you know like for people who are interested in physical history but I mean I remember going to the library and as a kid you can get books um, a lot of my music tastes and the likes of getting get D- DVDs and stuff on that out um, at, the, at the time. It gives um, people who may not necessarily have the ability to uh, uh, have access to this media. It gives them a bit of an easier access. And to be honest, it's a vital service. And it's in Manie Hill. It's down the road from Farhill. Um, we we kind of need to look out for the community at this time or any time and yeah there is a petition online so if you just search Mary Hill Library petition it
0: will come up there was an article in the Evening Times about it um,
3: so definitely uh, save Mary Hill
0: Library Cheers We'll leave it there on this week's Draw Loser Draw uh, Thanks for joining us as always you can find us on Twitter at Draw Loser Draw and on our Facebook page you can also find us on all good podcasting apps. I've been joined by David Forrest, Mark Wallace, Rhys Haldane and Jamie MacDonald Stay safe and wear a mask
4: No, I was thinking today, how shite's it going to be? Like, no being able to be there if we win the league, and then the stream just cuts out, Montrose's stream will cut out, and you just have to close your laptop, and that's it. Imagine being (laughs) a gamer. I want to be on the pitch with a trophy
1: in hand, with a selfie with fucking Stuart Bannigan. We could could win it at Far Hill, though, because we could have it tied up by the Thursday if we, like, say, and Cove draw on Saturday.
3: I hope we win it it on a Saturday purely because I'm working the Tuesday first. I don't want us to win the. Where were you when
4: we won the league title?
3: sitting fucking deal with a complaint and work.
1: If there's a chance we can win out for hell, I'll struggle not to go full man preaching and be up the canal. Yeah, no same. <laughs> same same.